The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IONS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Today we're going to catch up with our IONS monthly reports from experiencers who take the time to write, in their own words, about experiences that have often changed their lives and the lives of others as well. We are profoundly grateful to all those who decide to share their stories, since the telling often can be healing not only to the teller, but to the hearer as well. The first account today was emailed out to the IONS membership just this month. In it, a woman speaks of a time when she may have had an NDE, though she has no conscious memory of it. However, she believes that she has had the after-effects of an NDE. Like many near-death experiencers, she felt uncomfortable back in her, as she puts it, meat body. Unlike NDEers, her discomfort was not ameliorated by clear memories of having been home again. Then she's given another after-effect the ability to rise above her human self to reach out to help another in need beyond her known abilities. She felt she had been given the uh, meaning of life, basically, and for the ensuing 18 years, this experience has continued to affect her. So here is her story in her own words. Following the birth of my youngest child, I needed to undergo a hysterectomy to curb the life-draining menstrual hemorrhaging I'd been experiencing for many years. As far as I'm aware, the surgery went smoothly. I woke in the recovery area feeling slightly confused and was taken to my shared room to rest. Nothing remarkable about a, from a medical ex- perspective other than my utter lack of pain, which nonplussed my nurses. They insisted I needed to take strong pain medication, and I refused, preferring not to be drugged and dragged back into semi-consciousness. Otherwise, I was a run-of-the-mill case, and the nurses soon let me be. As the fog of the anesthesia cleared from my brain, though, a powerful sensation began to overwhelm me. Not a physical pain, but an excruciatingly painful awareness. I was aware of having just been made to get back into this body by someone I was unable to resist. I knew with absolute certainty that I had resisted going back to my body because of its density, weakness, slowness, uh, heaviness, and eventual decay toward a painful death. I absolutely knew in an indelible way that I find difficult to describe that I had left my body and returned to my true self and that it had been glorious. I knew myself as light. I felt my powerful strength, vast understanding, and connectivity to all that is. Not power as in power over anything, but the innate ability to go anywhere in time and space, to gain knowledge of all things, to create and flow and be. I was huge. I was clear. I was neither male nor female, but both and more at once. I was joy. I was love. I was part of the whole, one with my soul group. Being forced to re-enter my dark, heavy, small, physical body was incredibly painful on an energetic level. 
the feeling of desolate isolation from my real existence, from whomever I'd just been with, hurt so badly I couldn't bear it. I was intensely aware, as I had never been before, of the body's gradual decay, of its inability to access the freedom of mind and connection that I had just enjoyed once more. I felt so sad and heavy and even angry, and it seemed that my life would not be able to contain the force of my feelings. I wanted to go home. I wanted to be my real self. And more than anything, I did not want to have to stay in this hard, physical, meat body and feel what it felt all the way through what I seemed to know would be a very long, painful, dying process. And yet I knew in a way that I'd never known before that pain and decay was the only way to be free of it. There was no other exit. It was like the moment when you're locked into your seat on a big roller coaster and the cars begin to bump forward and you know there's no way off that ride except to ride it. Only it was so much more intense than any roller coaster could ever be. I did not want this. For the hours of the rest of that day, I felt only agony. Not physical agony, but the depression was almost a physical pain. It gripped so tight. I was unable to express what I was experiencing when my husband came to visit. He didn't understand, and I can't blame him. I didn't understand either. It wasn't that I'd never heard of NDEs. In fact, a couple of years before, when I was pregnant, I'd been impressed to stop at the library in the small town where my midwife practiced and guided to a shelf with several books on NDEs. That started me on a quest to find out everything I could about these experiences. What I read transformed my spiritual life in small but powerful ways. I could no longer believe in the idea of an angry, judging God or a single right way to worship him. Much of what I read felt so similar and and brought me a self-acceptance and peace that I'd never known up till then. A few days before my surgery, I prayed somewhat sheepishly for permission to experience an NDE of my own, if it was in harmony with my good and the good of my family. I wasn't really expecting anything dramatic. I certainly didn't want my family or doctor to have to go through the trauma I was thinking uh, that I had died. I just wanted so badly to visit the home I could almost uh, remember when I read some of these experiences of others on the other side. Something in me missed it so. My life to that point had held so much trauma and I was totally exhausted. The unconditional love they spoke of felt so familiar to me even though nothing in my life to that point had prepared me to recognize it. I hoped, without really expecting, that God would work out some way that I could experience it for myself, could bring that experience through my life as a kind of self of life preserver to buoy me up when things were just so hard and exhausting. One thought that came to me with a bitter irony as I lay in my hospital bed that evening following surgery was, be careful what you pray for, for I had no doubt at all that I'd been out of my phys- out of the physical, that I'd been somewhere magnificent. I don't know how I knew it, but I knew utterly that I'd been uh, at least on my way home before I was forced or persuaded to re-enter my body. And yet I had absolutely no memory of the experience. What I had was the withdrawal symptoms, a kind of ironic cosmic justice. 
In my desperation to release uh, some of the anguish that threatened to overwhelm and drag me under, I began a, a, a drawing, a representation of my dual awareness of my spiritual self, magnificent and joyous, taking flight from the cold flesh of my physical self. The nurses who came in to take vitals expressed astonishment at it, but didn't seem to want to hear what it meant. And I was too spent to try very hard to explain why I was working intently on a drawing of a nude, corpse-like man with a glowing, powerful-looking specter of light joyfully bursting out of his chest. I poured all my feelings into that drawing. Art has always been my way of touching wholeness and joy, but nothing could shift the despair I was feeling. After midnight, the semi-quiet of the ward shattered with a wailing, moaning voice that progressed down the hall toward the room I was in. A team of nurses wheeled in an elderly woman, her hands flailing as she cried out that she was in pain, that no one cared about her. Her daughter helped the nurses to settle her into her bed and spoke soft, soothing words to her. I lay listening to the turmoil and uh, rushing about. She wept and occasionally screamed a distressing animal-like noise. The nurses told her daughter that if they couldn't get her calm, they would need to restrain her. The daughter insisted that that would not be necessary and would not help clearly determine that her mother received dignified care. She continued to answer and re-answer the same questions for her confused mother, who mostly didn't seem to recognize her and kept asking for her daughter, who would take good care of her. Eventually, the elderly woman seemed to have exhausted herself and fell into a shallow, intermittent sleep. I was so glad her daughter was so patient with her. It was somehow a great relief in the midst of my own deep distress and hopelessness. The next day, as noon approached, the nurses urged the daughter to go home for a few hours of desperately needed sleep herself. Her mother was finally in a deep sleep. But not 30 minutes after she reluctantly left the hospital, her mother woke and began to wail. She cried with fear and grief that her daughter had left her there alone. She doesn't love me, she wept loudly. The overworked nurses spoke loudly and clearly to her, enunciating carefully as they'd probably been taught to do with the elderly and the confused. They told her she must calm down. They told her that she really must calm down. They told her they were going to have to restrain her if she didn't calm down. As they spoke, she grew more agitated and louder. I couldn't hear her suffer. I couldn't bear her suffering on top of my own. The thought of her daughter coming back and finding her beloved mother tied up and out of her mind was unbearable. That was when the second part of my NDE began. A silent voice in my mind spoke very clearly that this is the point of it all. This is the point of mortal life. As the voice said this, my understanding filled and expanded beyond the confines of my despairing sense of entrapment. I realized that we are all trapped in these bodies, unable to avoid the full experience of physical mortality as, as if in individual canoes on a river of difficult, painful, terrifying experience. Uh, and the only thing that makes any of it worthwhile is the moments when we can reach from our own boat and for just a moment, ease the loneliness and suffering of someone else in theirs. 
to connect in kindness and love as our, as our boats touch in the current of life. My whole feeling transformed, and I was flooded with a kind of love and courage to reach out that I'd never experienced before. All my normal reserve and shyness dissolved. Each person in that hospital became utterly precious to me, utterly beautiful. I could see them as the graceful beings they were, not as the small, broken creatures they thought themselves. I could see what they needed, really needed, and I had the heart and the spirit to offer it. I got out of my bed, threw a shawl around my shoulders, and went and sat next to the elderly woman. I took her hand and spoke to her softly, doing my best to channel her daughter's way of being with her. I told her how much uh, her daughter loved her. At first, she argued with me about that. Something inspired me to remind her of how she used to make her daughter take naps when she was a little girl and to explain that her daughter had stayed up all night and was so very tired that she was only taking a nap and would soon be back with her. I reminded her of how much she loved her daughter, what good care she'd taken of her daughter, and how much her daughter needed sleep right now. She quieted and grew peaceful and eventually dozed off as I sat and held her hand warm in my own. That felt like a miracle to me, but there was a wordless miracle of transformation going on inside me. A fountain of joy seemed to spill forth inside me. The revelatory aspect was that I still felt trapped and still felt incredibly sad and cut off from my true self and my home. But this ability to comfort another trapped, embodied soul brought grace to my state, rendered it meaningful and mysteriously beautiful, as painful as it still was. Joy and anguish at the same time in the same body. I felt that I'd been given the meaning of life. It's only now, some 18 years after this experience, that I've realized that many of the changes and disturbances that have come into my life since then are exactly the same as the after-effects of NDEs. I don't know if what I experienced fits the accepted definition of an NDE, but I do know that it has fundamentally altered the landscape of my life, changing my spirituality, my relationships with myself and my family, and changing my goals, desires, and way of being. It really helps to learn about the recognized after-effects of NDEs to give some context to some of the more puzzling changes I've experienced in myself. And now, this second selection uh, was sent to IONS members this past January. It was a woman, In it, a woman recounts memories surrounding an accident which took place 30 years earlier when she was a young mother. Although she survived the accident, she lost two of her three children in that accident, and she later became a medical doctor and understands her NDE is beyond the physical world. Although she cannot remember the accident, she remembers being in darkness which surrounded, which, while surrounded by and filled with peace and knowledge. Her description of all knowledge is especially detailed. She also shares eight premonitions that she now understands to have been prepared, uh, been preparation from the spiritual world for the accident. Finally, she speaks of being enveloped in a cloak of compassion and love at the children's deathbeds. 
In dealing with her grief and guilt, she was introduced to NDE literature, which gave her a whole new way of looking at life and death. She also now embraces the guidance and comfort she receives uh, from the spiritual realms. So this is, in her own words, uh, the story of this accident and her experience. On Tuesday, March 28, 1989, I was driving a small Honda hatchback with our three children ages 10 and 7 years and 9 months. We were returning from Cleveland to Toledo, Ohio on the turnpike after visiting my girlfriend and her children during spring break. It was a very windy, blustery, cold spring day, and my children, seat-belted, all fell asleep after roller skating with their friends. At mile marker 85.1 at 5.30 p.m., the car veered right onto the shoulder and struck a parked, disabled semi-truck. One witness claimed that the severe wind made our small car drift and crash, but it is very possible that I, the driver, fell asleep at the wheel. There were no air- airbags nor loud vibratory warning road edge strips at that time, that time period. After impact, I lost consciousness as my chest hit the steering wheel, causing a cardiac, causing cardiac contusions and abnormal heart rhythms. To this day, I cannot remember the crash. My ND was not the classic story with going through a tunnel toward bright light or meeting predece- predeceased relatives or God. I recall pitch darkness and a sense of a warm, comforting, still presence surrounding me. I was immersed in peace and tranquility. I was given total and absolute knowledge about all things instantaneously. I marveled in ecstasy that I knew everything about everything there was to know in the universe right then and there. It was incredibly energizing to comprehend all that power from knowledge about physics, astronomy, psychology, medicine, agriculture meteorology, chemistry, etc., etc., everything about how the physical and spiritual worlds operate. I felt electrifying elation, being on top of the world, and so joyful to possess ultimate truth. In Earth time, that experience likely lasted seconds to minutes, but it was the most gratifying experience I have ever known. All of a sudden, I was being awakened by a kind a passerby, and my body felt numb and ice cold. Rescue personnel wanted me to exit the car, but stubbornly I wanted to remain in that moment of absolute enlightenment. All the wisdom was rapidly fading, almost as suddenly as it was imparted to me, and I tried in vain to hang on to any and all fragments of insight. I felt quite annoyed and distressed that while I was expected to communicate with a state police trooper, all my knowledge evaporated. Soon enough, I realized that my children were in grave danger, and I had to let, to let go of losing that divine entitlement. Our seven-year-old daughter, Lauren, had a cardiac arrest on the scene and an open brain injury and was life flighted to a Cleveland trauma hospital. I was a medical student at that time, and, and new cardiac arrests in children with healthy hearts usually meant death, unlike respiratory arrest with survival possible. I fell into profound, uh, profound prayer mode, uh, almost catatonic in the ambulance, except for my incessant questions about the children's status that everyone refused to answer. Our 10-year-old son, Ryan, my co-pilot, was whisked away in an ambulance also with a severe brain injury and respiratory arrest. Our baby, Amelia, in emotional shock, was 
only cut on her chin, but was almost left at the scene since that kind passerby took her into his car with his wife and sons. She, too, went uh, in the helicopter with Lauren. I was taken to a different hospital in Toledo, and Ryan was later airlifted there, too. The final aftermath was dreadful. My husband, Greg, drove to Cleveland the next morning and had to lovingly discontinue life support when Lauren was declared brain dead. Baby Amelia was brought back physically healthy but emotionally scarred, though she quickly relearned to smile and delight her parents. Ryan also suffered brain death, and we held him on our collective laps as they discontinued life support. We left enveloped by a cloak of compassion and love when Ryan stopped breathing and died. Greg and I both felt an inexplicable calm, and and his death was a beautiful experience, as was Greg's uh, solo experience with Lauren the day prior. The loving presence of a supreme spiritual being with us is the only way to explain the, the beauty and solace we felt on the absolute worst days of our lives. Before my NDE, uh, I was more religious than spiritual. But after this life-altering event, that all changed. I I saw a counselor, also a bereaved parent, to help me with my guilt-ridden grief. I had suicidal thoughts and wanted to join my children. He introduced me to the Life After Life book by psychiatrist Dr. Raymond Moody about NDEs. Those concepts were my salvation because it gave me hope that my children were not extinct but still existed in a spiritual realm. I came to believe that the unseen spiritual world existed adjacent to the physical world. We all search for an answer and ask why when an unnatural, premature death of a loved one occurs. I came to realize that an answer is never found, but there were premonitions of this tragedy even a year before the event that I've listed below. Ryan and Lauren began to pester us to find a church to attend like their peers around April of 1988. In the 11 months before their deaths, we sampled about 10 different congregations together. They ranged from the most conservative, fundamental Christian church to the more liberal, Unitarian Universalist. Ryan had two episodes of intense emotional distress after January of 1989. One evening, he was crying and upset that he saw, quote, a black figure with a pitchfork, unquote, outside his bedroom window and said he didn't want to die. Another night before bed, he cried and blurted out, Mom, I'm I'm 10 years old, and what have I accomplished in my life? His teacher called us around that time and said that she thought Ryan was depressed and distracted. Lauren found a best friend, Kristen, who would take her to her church on Wednesday evenings. She wrote this poem in February of 1989 in her diary. I love you, Lord, and I'm glad you live inside me. Please come to me, or if you don't, I will track you down somehow. I felt a vague, novel, unshakable, disconcerting sense of impending doom that I could not understand for about one month prior to the accident. 
And then four days before the accident, Ryan and Lauren, who actually never fought, even with words, got into a brief angry physical tussle while playing at a park. Two days before the accident, Easter Sunday, we attended Grace United Methodist Church for the second time. The pastor preached a sermon about NDEs to bolster our faith, and Ryan listened intently to the every word. As a family, we unanimously decided that day to join that church. One day before the accident, I was packing the car for a trip, and suddenly an atrocious thought crossed my mind that I was responsible for killing a child. I shuddered, but my haste to leave, but in my haste to leave, I, I quickly dismissed it. After I got the children settled in the car in the driveway, I quickly rushed back to the house to make a last minute phone call. I called Grace Church and said we had made the decision to join their church, and then we headed to our visit to Cleveland. Hours before the accident, while my friend Sue and I watched Ryan, Lauren, Katie, and Nick roller skate, she told me this weird joke. The French have a saying, children are like pancakes, and the first two usually don't turn out, so you throw them away. I believe the events listed above and there are more of lesser impact or precognitions. I believe these precognitions are an attempt from the spiritual world to interact with or perhaps in some way to influence uh, the adjacent physical world. My NDE and subsequent grief work and career as a pediatrician have all greatly enhanced my spiritual life. Nearly every workday, I have the great fortune of gazing into the eyes of newborns and seeing God slash Tao. It has been nearly 30 years since my NDE. Recently, I was sweeping leaves off our porch, and out of the blue, I recalled this NDE with new insight. I think the darkness I had was my momentary death. And at the hour of my greatest need, it was God within me who allowed me to know everything that God knows. I was quite overwhelmed by the enormity of that belief. Well, you can see the power of these stories, the healing power, even under horrible circumstances like the death of children. And... Uh, if you, if there are any of you out there who have had a near-death experience or an out-of-body experience or something that you feel uh, you could share with uh, our audience, please uh, write them down. Send them in to IONS. You can get more information at their website. My thanks to the folks who made the decision to describe their experiences to IONS uh, that we read today. Often they don't know what a gift they're making when they contact IONS with their stories. And my thanks to you, the listeners, for joining us on NDE Radio today. If you'd like to hear this or any of our past programs again, you'll find them archived at the Past Shows button at nderadio.org. For more information on IONS and uh, NDEs, go to our website at iands.org. And this is Lee Whitting saying... Thanks for listening.